buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I am super fired up for today's guest. I've got Alice Hyman. Alice works with CEOs and leaders that have a B2B complex sale to evolve and elevate their sales organization so that they can focus on their customer and increase ultimately and get their get a higher valuation for their company. Alice, welcome to Sales Hustle. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Colin? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm really happy to get you on here. And I know we've got some exciting topics for the sales hustlers listening. But before we jump in, for those folks who, I don't know, maybe been sleeping under a rock, why don't you give them just the short <laughs> version of your sales story? Oh my gosh. Well, the short version is I didn't start in sales. I never planned to be in sales. You know, it wasn't even on my radar screen, right? However, my dad was in sales his entire life. So I don't know why it wasn't on my mm. radar screen, but it wasn't. I started in education. I did that for 13 years. And then I jumped in or was catapulted into the world of business when I joined Miller Hyman, the company that my father founded with Bob Miller. Many of you know, it's one of the world's renowned sales training organization. So that was my catapult into business. And then um, in 1997, I started my own company and I have been working with CEOs and sales leaders to increase their sales and the valuation of their company ever since. Wow. Okay. Now you did keep it short. So uh, <laughs> uh, tell me just was uh, like, you know, not intending to get in sales, but with, you know, your father's like, life dedicated to sales. Uh, was there some reluctance to get into sales for you or, or what was it? Why, why was it not on the radar? I don't know. It just never even crossed my mind as a career. But, you know, <laughs> my generation, which is, a, you know, I'm a bit older than you are, Colin, just, you know, a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't even a thing. Like we weren't encouraging women to go into science or business much back then. Mm. Uh, women were teachers or nurses or other helping professions, um, maybe secretaries, things like that. And I actually didn't have my mind on any of those things. I loved art and I did a lot of art my whole life. And I actually went to college to study art. So it was, you know, it just wasn't on my radar. Is art still a passion for you? 
Um, it is. It is. Um, I don't actually, sad, sadly, I don't paint or weave or or do any of the other art types of things that I used to do, but I appreciate art very much and I support uh, the local artists here in my town. Uh, but yeah, my art now comes out that my creativity, my art comes mm -hmm. out in the way that I solve problems and the strategies that I build for companies who want to increase their sales. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of salespeople don't think of themselves as creative people, but they yeah. kind of have to be today yes. um, if, if they want to have any level of success. Now, you know, since you specifically work with, you know, CEOs and leaders, we've got a, a great topic that I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of fired up to dig into. What, what do sales leaders need to do to elevate their sales today? And, you know, in an environment that's very different than, than previously, and a lot of folks not hitting quota, uh, and a lot of leaders and CEOs kind of ripping their hair out like saying what do we do yeah so it's it's a big big problem you know more than we can cover here today but i think there are a few key things uh, the world you know sped up in many many ways during this pandemic right so it will never go back it's not it's not going back where it was it's only going forward and i think the rate of change will continue i do believe that we have to change our mindset around sales. And mm. it's been happening, but in my opinion, way too slowly. We've got to start to think more about the way the decision makers want to buy from us. And we're taking some lessons from business to consumer. And I think some of those are helpful. One of them being that people want to, get on and buy what they want to buy without having to talk to a salesperson if they don't want to and or they want to chat, right? And get their answers quickly. They don't want to mm. wait on the phone and they don't want to have to make an appointment and they want to get on and chat and get the information that they need. They want to find what they need easily on your website. So we all know that we've known it for a while, but it is amazing how slowly companies are coming around to that, uh, being being able to allow a buyer to move through the cycle that they need to to do their decision making process on their own. You know, so the first thing that we could do to make it easier and, and become modern sellers is to just provide the right information at the right time in a way that it can be consumed without a salesperson being involved. Now, I am in by no stretch of the imagination saying that I believe salespeople are going to disappear. I think salespeople are very important. But that's the second thing is I think we need a different type of salesperson mm. and we need to train them differently. So company leaders need to look at sales and how we're going to do a better job with sales, not just sellers and how we're going to get sellers to do a better job. That's a huge switch, right? So they talk about that a lot at Gartner, um, which, you know, I'm on the Gartner Sales Council. And we have to, as company leaders, make that switch to we are in charge of sellers to we are in charge of sales, which means mm. basically we're in charge of how the buyer wants to buy from us. And that is just a different mindset. So one, let's get the material, the videos, the reading, the 
you know, everything that a customer needs to help them make a decision and let's post it where they go. You've got to know where your audience is, right? Go where they are and post that there. So they have that experience, right? Then let's have, let's hire and train the right kind of salespeople who know how to intersect with the buyer wherever the buyer comes in, right? Whenever mm. they raise their hand and say, now I'm ready to talk. So instead, what we do is we have salespeople who know how to do things like BANT. You know what BANT is? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. that is so 1980s. If I hear one more person telling a salesperson to do BANT, I'm gonna like, Throw up. <laughs> yeah, throw up for sure. So of course you have to know whether they have a budget and whether they have authority and whether they have a need and what the time is. Of course you do, but in the natural course of things, you will gather that information. More importantly, I need to know where you are right now as a decision maker. Mm. So what drove you to look for a solution? What have you done so far to mm. get the information you need for that solution, right? And where, what do you need from me to move forward? Then I can bring some insights pose some questions, you know, maybe do a demo or whatever else. But if we don't figure out where the buyer is, we start them way back at the beginning yeah. because yeah. we're at the beginning and no buyer wants to go through that. That's why they, they'd rather just not talk to a sales right. person in many cases. So, so what I hear you're saying is adapting the, pro the, the, the sales process to meet the buyer's needs and where they are. Yes. And also being flexible with it as well, because people are going to come in at different stages based on, you know, how much of your content they've consumed, how many of your resources, if hopefully you're making those available in the right places. Um, and they might be at the beginning, they might be a little bit further along, but nobody's asking these buyers, like, what have you done? Where are you at? What do you need? How can I help? Right. And all of these things to just really be a resource to help them make a decision, mm -hmm. even right. if that decision is not you. Right, exactly. Maybe the best solution is not your solution and you need to be wise enough to point that out and then maybe point them in the right direction because if you do that, they're going to trust you. Uh, they'll come back to you when it is the right solution. They'll take you with them if they move to a new company that needs that solution, they'll know to call you, or they might be happy to refer you to someone else. So with every interaction that you have with you know, a potential decision maker is an opportunity to build a relationship that could last a lifetime and provide referrals and more business to you, even though in that moment in time, it won't be a piece of business. Yeah. And, and there's a few things like it's no, it's, it's so frustrating when you go to a website and there's a, it, there's a tab at the top <laughs> and it says pricing, right? Yeah. It says pricing and you're like, oh, great. I can see what the price is. Right. And then you go to the pricing page and it's a form to submit right. for a demo or to talk to an right. SDR or BDR. No, right. nothing against SDRs, BDRs. Like they're important. You know, yeah. I'm a big fan of outbound. However, there's some people that might be further along the process that, you know, they want to get some answers and don't want to have to go through this interrogation of BANT questions <laughs> to get to somebody who can give them the information that they want based on where they're at. Right. And, you know, in, 
used to be years ago when I taught selling, you know, we would talk about when, when do you deliver the price? You know, when do you let them know what the price of the product is? Too early, they don't understand the value yet. They'll just go to immediately to, oh my gosh, that's too high, right? Too late in the process, they're losing interest. It's like, look, I've got to build a budget here. I need to know the price, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of issues around that. And especially in a business-to-business complex sale where the pricing is variable depending on different things. And uh, it's, you know, not probably that easy to just go, oh, here's the price, because there's some calculations and things that have to be made. Um, I think that more and more companies, especially companies who are selling um, technology, software as a service, where it is either a monthly or annual reoccurring, are doing a better job of getting that onto their website. It's real clear. If you have this many people, you pay this much. And there are some upfront costs, which we can discuss with you when we talk further. Or even just have some sort of baseline, right? Yeah, baseline. This starts. But not this, you know, sales marketing trickery of like... Like, hey, you know, you got to talk uh, to three people before I can even right. give you an idea right. of what it's going to cost to work with us. Right, right. Yes. I, yeah. So I think that that's, again, just one of those things that if you're understanding <laughs> how the buyer wants to buy, then you're going to provide the things that a buyer would want, you know, depending on where they are in their decision making process. And then that would bring me to really a third thing, I think, Colin, that every Um, company needs to take a look at company leaders need to think about the way they make purchases. Um, They need to think about the, the day in the life of the type of buyer they're asking their salespeople to call on. Mm -hmm. Right. And they need to ask themselves, are we providing that same experience to the people who buy from us that we would like if we were buying. And I can tell you right now, the answer is no. Because Colin, when I look at a CEO and I say to him, hey, or her, listen, how many calls do you take per day from an SDR who's trying to reach you to schedule an appointment with their AE? Just about how many? Zero. Zero, zero. (laughs) and, And by the way, Colin, just curious, how many emails per day do you respond to from an SDR or a salesperson who's sending you some sales messaging all about their company, product, and services? Oh. About how many of those do you respond to every day? Big fat zero. Right. But you... CEO are asking your sales leaders and your sales team to send thousands of those emails out to people just like you every single day and who call hundreds of people like you every single day. And you just told me you don't respond. So I'm having a little trouble getting these two together, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like such a simple concept that people should grasp onto, but they're not for whatever reason. So what is the what is the solution to this? Like how can sales leaders and CEOs right now, if they're listening, stop this madness and start to yeah. make some changes that can actually start to create a sales process that's more in line with the way their buyers want to buy? Yeah. First, A number one, ask your 
I knew, I knew you. I knew you were gonna. I knew that was gonna be your answer. That you sell to now, so you have a list of customers. So many, so many people don't do that. You have a list of customers. They have at each customer, you probably have two, three, four, five, eight, or twelve people Mm -hmm. who are involved in making the decision. Right now, they know you and love you and trust you. Call them up and say, today when you're buying something. What do you want from a seller? What kind of information do you need? Walk mm-hmm. me through how you're making decisions to purchase this type of thing today. And um, get that information from them. Do a panel of a day in the life of the buyer. Like get some CFOs from two or three of your client companies, put them on a panel, invite your sales team to it and let them ask all the questions. What kind of yeah. messagings get you excited? What kind of um, things do you respond to? How do you find new products and services? Where do you go? Who do you ask? Yeah. Day in the life of the buyer. Like, what do you do all day? What keeps you busy? Get these kinds of programs available to your salespeople. Yeah. Ask your own customers, ask your own CFO to talk to the salespeople. If they call on CFOs or CMOs or directors of whatever, if you have one of those people at your own company, get them to talk to your salespeople about what their day is like, what keeps them busy all day, how many hours a day they work, what they respond to, what messaging resonates with them, okay? Just get schooled on the buyer. What does this buyer look like today? Okay. And not what's keeping you up at night. (laughs) Please don't ask that question. What's keeping you up at night is the new puppy I just bought that is got to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes, you know, or my, or did you get a new puppy? No, but I, I'm about to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just I just got a new puppy two weeks you ago. Did. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's not the right question and it doesn't make me think of the right thing. Yeah. If you want to know what's challenging me at my company, then research my industry and find out some things that are going on and say, in your industry, these things are happening. Can you tell me about how that's impacting your company? That's a way better question than what's keeping you up at night. Yeah. And and for the for the people that are going to have all of the classic excuses of why they can't do this, the buyers are busy, they don't have time, we don't want to bother them, you know, all of these things like this is really simple to do. Like get some people together, right. buy them lunch, make a donation to a charity that they care about to show up and just spend an hour with them asking questions right. and you know understand them better so that your sales team can be more <laughs> right. effective and you know have more quality messaging and conversations so colin oddly enough just because of linkedin the way that it is one of the top buyers at ford ford motor company yeah wanted to talk to me i don't know why because he was a buyer not buying anything that i sell and i don't even work with companies that size right mm. But uh, there was something interesting that I had posted or whatever he wanted to talk about it. And I said, well, that's great because I want to talk to you and I want to understand how you're buying things these days. What mm. do your buying teams look like? Because he yeah. was in charge of sort of this um, startup inside of Ford Motor where he had autonomy and he had his budget and, you know, he's, people would go out to buy certain types of things. And so as I was talking to him and I said, well, do you want to talk to salespeople? He goes, oh, Yes. I really do want to talk to salespeople, especially the ones who have something new or innovative and understand my industry and what I'm trying to accomplish. Bingo. So guess what, salespeople? 
buyers do want to talk to you. Decision makers do want to talk to you when you have something insightful that is about their industry, something innovative, some way to help them do something better. But when you just talk about yourself, your product, your company, hi, I'm Alice. I want to introduce myself. My company is so-and-so and we sell so-and-so. Stop mm. doing that. That doesn't help me know anything, right? So instead, you have to know enough about my industry to catch my intention with something engaging that's going to help make me think, ooh, that could put me ahead. That could give me an edge against my competition. Then I do want to talk to you, and I will talk to you. But what else was interesting is he was saying how much he was missing and his team was missing the interaction in person with salespeople. Mm. Okay, and I said, well, that's so interesting because salespeople are missing that with you also. But I said, if a salesperson were to offer you a virtual lunch or a virtual coffee or a virtual activity of some type, and I gave him some examples of what I was thinking about, would you and your team participate in that? He said, absolutely. That sounds like it'd be a load of fun. So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm talking to one of the, you know, a key person at a humongous corporation who is telling me that he wants to talk to salespeople who have great ideas for him. You just debunked like people telling me they can't get people like him to talk. Yeah. He just debunked every excuse that every salesperson has ever made up of why they can't talk to people like them. Um, but, so, but here's one, one key yeah. I want to point out, Colin, and, and this is, again, what we as sales leaders and company leaders are doing, we have tremendous pressure on us to increase sales, sometimes from our investors or from company leaders. The CEO is saying, what is going on in sales over there? Why are the salespeople not hitting their quota? Why can't you forecast correctly? You know, why aren't our sales, you know, here, there, wherever mm-hmm. the CEO wants them to be, Right. And so as you start to think about this and you think, all right, you're you're saying, go do something, do something what, right? Well, let's do something innovative and different. Let's not send more emails that are getting us very low response rates. Let's not make more, a hundred more phone calls that are getting us a very low response rate. Instead of that, what could we do that would make sales easier and make people want to talk to us. Stop pushing the more button and start pushing the better button so that things get easier for everyone. Easier for the people trying to buy from you and easier for the sales team and the SMEs and the customer success, the entire team that's out customer facing trying to draw those customers in. But yet they're not. They just keep making more dials. Now, there, there's great tools to help us do that. So if you are going to cold call, for goodness sake, use one of these terrific tools that yeah. will <laughs> dial for you and make it faster, better than it is now. But why would you do something that gives you such a low response rate when you could talk to your current customers Tell them how much you love them and and say that you want more customers just like them. Give them three to five names of companies you would love to break into and see if they can make an introduction for you. 
If mm. I spent my day doing that as a salesperson, not only would I be less fatigued from dialing and sending and social media-ing, I would actually be having real conversations with people on the phone every day. And some of those people would absolutely introduce me to people who would have more conversations with me every day. And what does every salesperson want? Conversations with people who can potentially buy from them. How do we get those? We can use referrals to do it. Mm. All right, sales hustlers, you might need to hit rewind and listen to that <laughs> one more time, especially if you're a sales leader. Um, I love going to the customers and getting information. But also another thing that I love is going to the deals lost, going to the non-customers yes. and getting that feedback. I did it today. I, you know, sent an email to somebody who didn't you know, go with us for whatever reason, totally fine. And he decided that weeks ago, but I've been hunting him down because I want to know why. I'm not going to give up until I get some feedback that right, can help us right. be better right. and, you know, give the buyer the experience they want. Maybe we weren't as clear as we should have been on something. Maybe we didn't explain something that he was confused on, yeah. whatever the case is. And the intention is not to get him back in the sales funnel. The intention is really like, Hey, I'm curious. I want to learn. How can we be better? How, what do we need? Is there something we need to maybe change? And so it's easy to go back to the people that have bought from you. But the people that didn't will give you some very interesting feedback that could help you make some really made, you know, big changes yeah. in your messaging, in your process, yeah. and all of those things. Well, Colin, I always say part ways gracefully no matter what the outcome because you do want to be able to collect that kind of information and you do want future opportunities. So what we do, though, in sales, even though we say we're not transactional, we are so transactional. <laughs> You know, move the buyer through the process, get the papers signed, you know, get them, you know, pass them over to the onboarding team and get out there and go get another one, right? Yeah. Um, what about building a relationship that lasts? What about um, showing the customer how much you care? What about, you know, keeping in touch with them, you know, to see how the onboarding is going? Now, I know there are salespeople out here who do this. I know they are because I've had the pleasure of working with them. But en masse, the yeah. bulk of the salespeople out there are not doing it. And this is one of the reasons we can't get referrals because of the way we have segmented sales these days. So you have an SDR that, or a BDR that makes an appointment, then you have an AE that da 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 da, and then you have bring in a subject matter expert, and they da da, and then they demo, and then they then you got to meet the customer success people and the onboarding team, and they got da da da, and then then you yep. get an account manager who takes care of you with your customer success team, who's building that long lasting relationship and earning the right to ask for those referrals, who's or for the renewal, or for the renewal, or. And for the renewal, well, which yeah. should be the account team, this customer success, right? But again, each time we pass the, pass the customer off to the next set of people, we're dealing with one, two, or three people. And maybe that keeps changing on our side and on theirs. And what we haven't done then is gone wide and deep into the organization to connect with all of the people who were originally involved in making the decision and their bosses so that we're stickier, right? Getting our, mm. you know, leaders to align with their leaders so that the re the renewal is not even a question, right? right? And so that the referrals come so naturally because they're so happy with what we provided to them.
So, so what are some things that sales leaders can do to go wide and deep with their current customers where the renewal is not a question and referrals are just something that, you know, happen naturally based <laughs> on how pleasant the experience is. Right. So you've heard this before, Colin, selling is a team sport these days. There yeah. is no such thing as a lone wolf salesperson anymore. They're out there on their own. Look, you think about it. Sending one person out to close a multi-million dollar deal to being sold to a multi-billion dollar company. Like, no, that's not going to work by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. For those of you who it is working for, hallelujah, keep doing it. But I don't know how sticky it is and I don't know whether you get to expand, right? So it is a team sport. And especially in companies that are under $100 million in that 30 to $50 million range where you're selling to these humongous companies, your CEO, your CFO, your CMO, your you know customer success team and people, your subject matter experts, everybody is responsible for the customer. Mm -hmm. Everybody is responsible for the customer. The ops people who put the stuff in the box and get it there or build it and ship it there or explain how to do it. You are all responsible for the customer, every one of you. And if you don't believe it, then your company is probably not doing as well as it could be, even mm -hmm. though you might be blowing it out of the water, you could be blowing it out of the water even bigger. Everyone is responsible. So if you take a look at it that way and say, what does our customer need from us? And how should we best interact with them? How can we provide them with what they need? Then that means that the salesperson is the ringleader orchestrating all of these relationships. I need this subject matter expert to talk to this person at the company. I need my sales leader to talk to this person because they speak the same language and they're going to talk about a different level of things than I'm talking about with this group of people. I need the people who make it work at my company to help the people who make it work at their company to know each other. I need my CEO. Okay, I'm a $50 million company. Maybe I don't get to, him to talk to the CEO of Ford Motor Company once again or something like that. But who's the highest ranking person that was involved in this decision that my CEO should touch base with and get to know and make sure that person knows that the CEO is available when yeah. needed. So we have to really start to map out these relationships and build them out. So if you're just positioned with the people who made the decision for that particular sale and two or three of them go away, away and off and do their other thing, and now you're kind of with the people who are just at that operational level and you have no yeah. other relationships, it's going to fall apart at and some they, point. Yeah, so and they have no idea why they even went with you in the first place. The people who made that decision are long gone and not involved anymore. And no one's maintaining a relationship with them. Now, once again, I do know salespeople who are good orchestrators and know how to do this. But when I said earlier, we may need to hire a different type of salesperson and train them differently. This is what I mean. Salespeople yeah. must be good orchestrators. They must be good at bringing people to consensus. They must be good at understanding the psychology of how people make decisions so they can see, oh, I see they're doubting this because this is where they are in the process. And what they need is this to help them make a decision. So for example, at some point, I may have two, three or four buyers on the line who are not quite sure yet. And I might need to say to them, Let's lay out the pros and cons. Let's start with do nothing. If you do mm. nothing, what, you know, what are the ramifications to your organization for that? Okay, good. Now, 
if you've got, you, you do this internally, you've got to, you know, maybe hire a few people or you've got a team who can do it, but then they've got other projects. So what are, what does that look like? All right, great. Now you've got three companies outside of yours that can provide this for you. Choosing one of those. What's the ramification of that? So do nothing, do it internally, or choose an outside vendor. Let's just get that down. Now, if if the answer is choose an outside vendor is the best choice, you've got three to choose from. How will you choose? What is the best way for you to make a decision? What are the factors? You know, and help them list those out. Now, if they don't end up choosing you because you don't fit all the factors, at least you know that and you move on yeah. and you don't waste any more time on, on the sale, waste any more of their time. And you part ways gracefully and they look at you as, oh my gosh, I can't believe you helped me and we didn't even choose you. The, so now the, next time they might choose you or they might introduce you or they move to a new company, as I said earlier, and then they bring you in then. So why not? Well, because salespeople are not trained to do that. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing there is that even if you maybe are not the best fit or you don't a hundred percent fit what they're looking for, but you're close enough and you go that deep and provide that level of expertise and helping them make a decision, there's a good chance you still could win. Yes. Just because of you, you showed the buyer that you're willing to meet them where they are. You're willing to give them all of the options. Mm -hmm. You're confident enough to even talk about your competitors, which most people aren't right and give them their options and help them navigate through this change, which is uncomfortable for them. Um, you know, there, there's a good chance, Hey, you you might not be a hundred percent what they're looking for, but if you're good enough and better than the status quo of what they have today, and you show that you care that much, there's a good chance you still win that deal. Yeah. And I just want to say one caution, Colin, I don't talk about my competitors because I don't know enough about them to say anything other than here are the three you're considering. Here are some questions you should ask each, and here's what you should know about each. I can only talk to my solution, and I'm happy to answer any of those for you. Right. But I do want to point out that these are the factors you would need to consider in order to make a really good decision. So, so many I, sellers are scared to even touch the subject know, at all. They just well, avoid what? it. Like it's not... Like, like that's not being talked about internally. Right. They, you know, and, and so, you know, and it shows a level of confidence that, right. you know, and, and, and maybe common, help them, help them think about an option maybe they hadn't considered that's not you. Right. They have so much pressure on them. You really can't blame the salesperson. One, they haven't been trained properly. Two, they don't have the knowledge or experience in many cases. And three, they have tremendous pressure on them to just get the deal closed. Right. So I can't really blame the salespeople at all. Who do I blame? I blame the CEO of the organization who is allowing these behaviors to continue, allowing them to make thousands of of calls and thousands of emails to people who don't answer the phone or don't respond to emails and allowing them to continue to use these methods that are not working and not uh, having their sales leaders train their salespeople differently, not bringing in day in the life of the buyer type of activities. I blame the CEO. They want more sales and yet they don't know how to support their sales organization very well. I mean, some of them do, of course, and we're seeing amazing growth in some of these companies, but some of them are just growing in spite of themselves because they have a product that everybody needs. Um, and, mm. 
so people are buying it. But that is only going to last for so long. It's not necessarily sustainable. So I think if we all can think about running organizations that are good for people, good for the world, you know, just kind, benevolent, wonderful organizations, then we can wrap our head around, serve the customer. That's what we're here to do. How do we best do that? Reset your entire sales organization around that mm. and watch what happens. Yeah. Alice, this has been a lot of fun talking about this. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Enjoyed this topic. Any final thoughts? What are we going to drop in the show notes for our sales hustlers to, to find out more about what you're doing? All that good stuff. Well, I have several great events coming up. I won't tell you all about them now, but I will get the links to you so we can drop those in. And Colin, as you know, I'm launching my own podcast so yes. I can rant some more. If you, if you want to listen to my rantings, I'm going to be interviewing CEOs of companies in the 10 to $100 million range who are not startups, but more mature companies. Mm -hmm. And those CEOs are gonna tell us about how they built their sales organizations and how they stay involved in sales, what things they will do, what things they won't do, and how they make sure that sales has the support needed to really do the kinds of things that you and I have been talking about today. Yeah, and when that is live, we will drop the link in there for the show notes as well. Alice, thanks so much for coming on. If you enjoyed today's episode, write us a review, share it with your friends, and as always, we're listening for your feedback. Yeah, and please connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know you heard me here on Colin's show, and I will accept your connection request immediately, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Awesome. We'll drop that in the show notes as well, Sales Hustlers. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.